1: The story. As I'm driving up, now the weight is on the back of the trailer, and there's just enough moisture in the ground that it begins to slip. Then I jackknifed the tractor, and then it rolled on its side and onto me. I have no recollection the moment I jackknifed it, the next moment the tractor is on top of me like an elephant standing on you.
0: Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story where today we'll hear about an incredible near-death experience that took place on a farm in regional Victoria. Bud found himself pinned underneath his tractor and had to endure 18 hours of excruciating pain before help finally arrived. We'll find out how his fate helped him get through the ordeal today on The Story. Bud is chatting with Eric Scatterbo and Sondi Ward in our Melbourne studios.
2: Well, the other day, we were sitting around the lunch table here at the studios where we record the program in Melbourne. And for some reason, we got on the topic of near-death experiences and miraculous survival stories. And my friend Sandy Ward said, you have to hear my friend Bud's story. It is amazing. So, as it turns out, Bud lives just about 15 minutes away from the studios here. And we're going to hear his story on today's program. Sandy Ward, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here.
2: Glad to have you with us. Now, why did you think this was so important that we had to hear Bud's story?
3: Because it was an amazing, with well, the idea that he even survived was amazing. I didn't even realize it was my friend Bud when I heard about this guy having this tragic accident in the country. And I think I recall actually praying for him. I heard, think I heard about it on the news. And imagine my surprise later when I found out it was actually Bud.
2: Somebody that you knew.
3: Yeah. Okay, well at
2: this point we want to welcome to the program none other than Bud himself. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much, Eric.
2: Glad to have you with us. We're going to get to the tractor accident story in just a few moments, but I think our listeners probably recognize you have a wonderful accent that's not from around these parts. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Where are you from originally?
1: I grew up in Central Florida and did my last years of high school and first year of college in Canada, in Oshawa. And how did you get to Australia? <sighs> I was at university in Tennessee, and in a class one day we were studying about Australia. And I just turned to a classmate and made a facetious remark. I said, I think I'll go there next year. And he said, you won't. And so I spent the rest of the class deciding whether I would or whether I wouldn't, and it was I would. And so that's how I got to Australia. Just like that? Just like that. <laughs> Australia was just a country way in the South Pacific that I probably would never visit. But just the fact that he said you wouldn't do it uh, just ignited this determination that I would do it. <laughs> and what year did you come over here? I came
2: over in 1968. 1968. Yep. And you picked up the accent really quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't lost much of my little bit of Canadian, southern drawl from the states,
2: but uh, somewhere in there, this is what I am. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We welcome you to the program. Excited to hear your story, but there's a little bit more to the story for you personally that you met a lovely Australian. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Nola.
1: Yes. uh, Nola's a psychologist, and we're raising two autistic grandchildren, so it's right down her alley. keeps her busy full-time, and we have 12 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And five children. And a little bit about your faith background. Were you a Christian when you decided to come to Australia? Yes, a personal belief in God. God was very real to me. My parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents were all very, not all of them, but most of them, at least my grandmothers, were very committed Christians. And so I had a good model.
2: Mm -hmm. And I understand your grandparents wanted you to be a doctor. Is that right?
1: Yes. And in America, you know, nicknames are very common. And so Mm -hmm. one of my nicknames was Doc. And so I just grew up with this belief that I was going to be a doctor, a medical missionary doctor, and uh, never thought of anything else until I was in my first year of college. Then I sensed that I won a speech contest. Up until that point, I was very shy, and I never thought of ever being in in public as a speaker or anything. But once I won that, God used that as a, a prompt that initiated this thought maybe it's ministry you know it's not medical ministry it's ministry with a health emphasis somewhere in the background because i've always had that interest and uh, that's how i changed directions but it was something that i look back now and god knew that that was what i was called to do i've been here in victoria since 1978 and started out in Lee and Gatha and then moved to the metropolitan area and have been all around the city here in different places
2: Okay, so now we kind of know your background, how you came to Australia. Take us to 2011 and what led up to the accident with the tractor. Uh, Just a brief background
1: of that. Uh, My wife and I looked for nine years for country property. I was raised in the country. It's in my blood, and I just had to have a place in the country. And one day we were in Ballarat, out of Ballarat, at the farm. It's about 30, 35 kilometers from Ballarat Central. And it's a winding driveway with pine trees on either side. And as you walk up this hill, the house is on a bluff. And as I walked up, this panoramic view came. And it was just so impressive. You can see for miles, no houses, no nothing, just forest and, and, you know, the fields in the far distance. It had a substantial house. It had a a good-sized dam. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I'd love to and so, up there sometime. And have so you that, seen it? I know. I no, no, I'd oh, love okay. to go, too. Yeah. So
2: you kind of fell in love with it? Is that what you're...
1: Well, I knew immediately that this was the place. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the price, but I knew if God led me to it, I must have the money, mm-hmm. you know. And that all worked out. The fellow had brought the price down, $50,000, and it was what we had. And
2: so that's where we're at, the place. And what is the name of the place? It is Eden Life Farm. And what is on the... Uh, that's really neat. You have this... Mm-hmm. Uh, sign on the gate? Yes. What does that say? Uh, the sign on the gate says uh, God is the
1: proprietor and oh. Bud and Nola are the caretakers. Isn't that neat? So people yeah. drive by mm-hmm. there, they'll, they'll see that? They all see it.
3: So do mm. so people stop in to see if they can visit God? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting Sandy. When they come, we have people come up all the time and they say, this is just a million dollar view. Yeah. It, it must be God's. Yeah. They make that comment. I didn't say anything, but obviously they've read the sign on the
2: gate, and yeah. that's just their comment. It must be God's. Oh, well, mm. bringing glory to the Lord just yes. by a, a <laughs> sign, sign on your gate. That's wrong. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. great. All right, so you're on this wonderful property, a gift from the Lord, but unfortunately events take place that lead to the tractor accident. How did that come about?
1: Well, it's in the middle of winter, and I had gotten some hazelnut trees from a friend of mine and was there at the farm by myself during the middle of the week
2: now we should explain that you spend some of your time on the farm and then the other part of the time in furniture gully is that right why is there this situation in those early
1: years i would just spend the weekend with the family then we'd come back to town uh, but uh, occasionally I would go up there during the middle of the week, and this was an occasion where I had these trees to plant, and, and, and the middle of the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm there, down by the dam, planting these trees, and as soon as I finish, then I'm going to go by and see some of my grandchildren on the way back to Melbourne, and I'm looking forward to that. So once I plant the trees, then I'm mulching them, and so I have a big trailer loaded with mulch, and I'm taking the mulch off the front of the trailer, not the back of the trailer, the front of the trailer because it's more convenient. And when I'd finished, I'm driving back up the hill with the tractor. Never had a problem before, never experienced anything like it. But as I'm driving up, now the weight is on the back Mm -hmm. of the trailer Mm -hmm. and it takes the traction off the tractor and there's just enough moisture in the ground that it begins to slip. Well, it slipped. When it began to slip, I immediately thought, I've knocked it out of gear, but I know I didn't knock it out of gear, but it's moving back so fast that by the time I could think of what to do in that instant, and it was just, just very quick, mm-hmm. I jackknifed the tractor, and then it rolled on its side,
2: and onto you, I and
1: and onto me. I have no recollection. The moment I jackknifed it, the next moment the tractor is on top of me like an elephant standing on you. I couldn't oh, take a breath.
2: And then we're talking about what is it like a three-ton tractor? It's a big one. It's a International Four One Four. So, you explained to me before we started to record that your face is into the grass uh, on its side, and part of the tractor is pressing against your back
1: yes, and the tractor is right on my left arm, just crushing it into the ground. My head is almost crushed into the ground, but my hand is crushed just like a you know like a piece of paper it's just flat. oh my goodness, and what time of the day was it about four o'clock in the afternoon
3: and you couldn't breathe
1: well, when the tractor stopped, I couldn't breathe. One moment I breathe, the next moment I can't breathe. And I know I'm going to die. And I'm not afraid to die. It's just asleep. When the Lord comes, you wake up. And so there was no thought of fear of dying. And for some reason, I just started counting. As if, how long is it going to take me to lose my breath? How long can I hold my breath? And so I got to 24, and the tractor just moved just slightly, just just enough for me to go a deep breath and I could hardly breathe in you'd really have to suck the air in but it was just enough to breathe
3: and that was against gravity that it lifted didn't it that's what the neighbor
1: said who found me
3: yeah so instead of rolling further onto him it just lifted that tiny little bit and just now allowing to breathe were you praying that specifically I
1: wasn't praying anything I was just looking forward to the, to seeing the Lord. God, I'm going to die,
3: yeah. and
1: then when the tractor moved, all of a sudden this thought was, "Oh no,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> I home yet." Now, <laughs> now no. no, seriously though, when it moves, you were saying, Sonny, it could have moved either way. I mean, it could have gone more on you, and you would have seen the Lord really quick, or it could go the other way and allowed you to breathe, and that's what happened. That's right, but it was just enough. It was just it, it's as if it
1: just slightly moved it was just a slight movement mm. but it was just enough for Lao me because it crushed my lungs and it's cold that's it's getting cold that night is the coldest night of winter and you only had a t-shirt just on? A, just a shirt just shirt sleeves on because it was a beautiful day mm. but it turned cold the wind was howling trees were falling and that's the night it was
0: You're listening to The Story, where today we're hearing a miraculous survival story that took place on a farm near Ballarat in Victoria. Next, we'll hear how Bud is finally rescued after enduring 18 hours of excruciating pain pinned underneath his tractor. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're continuing with an incredible near-death experience and miraculous survival story. When we left off, Bud was pinned underneath his tractor near Ballarat in Victoria, and his wife was back home in Melbourne, expecting him to return in a few days. Bud is sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo and Sondi Ward.
1: So once once I could breathe, then all of a sudden you have to deal with pain. You Mm -hmm. have to deal with, well, how long am I going to be here? No, the pain... Your arm is crushed, so that's excruciating. Yeah, my whole left side is crushed of my body. And then the diesel starts dripping from the tractor right, oh on, boy. My, on, my, right on my face. Just when you think you couldn't get any yeah, worse. Yeah, that's right. And I immediately thought of this Chinese torture, drip, <laughs> drip, drip. And so I was able to move my head just enough so that it dripped just beside me.
2: Hmm.
1: So I escaped that. I said, thank you, Lord. Hmm. And then, from that point on, as it got colder and colder, not knowing how long I'd be there, because my wife wouldn't be there for another three days,
2: would anyone find me? Because she was under the impression that you would be there a couple of days, and she didn't know when you were returning. That's right. She didn't know, and so, so she wouldn't be And concerned. you
3: didn't have your find with you, and even no. if you did, you wouldn't have been able to reach it.
1: That's right. Couldn't have reached it, because I couldn't move. I was pinned down. Oh, yeah, well, it wasn't like you could yeah. just grab it and dial. So, So, in this situation, now... You're trying to keep your mind off of the pain, off of the cold, and off of the uncertainty. And so I tried to pray. I couldn't pray. My mind wouldn't work. I tried to quote scripture. I couldn't remember anything at that moment. I tried to sing, you know, in my head, mm-hmm. something to distract me from what was going on. In that time, God said to me, "I don't need anything from you. Just trust me. I'm here. Yeah. I know exactly what you're going through." Matter of fact, I'm going through it with you. I know the pain. And even said to me, don't ask me how long you're going to be here. Just trust me. All I'm asking you to do is live a moment at a time. Don't allow your thoughts to go to cold. Don't go to pain. Don't go to how long. Just focus on me. And I would say this to anyone listening to the program today. No matter what your circumstances are, you cannot allow your thoughts to dwell, your mind to dwell upon the problem. Put it on the Lord, and just allow circumstances to be whatever they are, but keep your thoughts upon God, and when you don't think you can stand anymore, because during the night when I am I feel like I'm going to freeze to death, or I'm going to go crazy with the pain, God would say to me, are you crazy yet? No. <laughs> Have you frozen to death yet? No well, you won't. No matter what you feel, you won't, because I am here. I know what you can bear. And so he kept me there, and uh, the next morning my wife received a call from a friend who knew I was at the farm and just passed on a general message that when she talked to me next, would she let me know that he wanted me to contact him? Wasn't anything serious. So For some reason, she just felt impressed to call the neighbor up the road about a mile away and give them the message. It was nothing urgent, but she just called and said, when you see Bud next, would you give him this message? Well, when my neighbor John hung up the phone. Now, remember, we've had this storm going all night and it's freezing cold. And she said to John, his wife said to him, I don't know why, but I think you need to go up right now and give Bud that information. This was
3: really early in the morning, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, about 7 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And he said, well, I'm going up later on the day. I have his chainsaw. I'm going to take that back and I'll give it to him then. No, she said, I think you need to go right now. And so immediately he just responded, said, okay. He put on his gumboots put on a ha- uh, a coat over his pajamas. <laughs> so he was really meaning to get there quick. He yeah. didn't even take his pajamas off. No, he he and he came up to the house, and of course our house is up on a bluff, and he goes to the door and knocks. The car's there, no answer. Tries several times. Where, no answer.
3: Where's the tractor well, from there? Like cause down it's down the hill. It's not visible.
1: The house is up on a bluff, and he could have seen it, but he didn't. Because when he drove up the house, he didn't look to the left. Uh. He just was looking at the house and he got out and Yeah went up to the house, to the door and knocked. And so when he came back to the truck, that's when he looked down Damn. and saw the tractor on his side. And because I couldn't sing out, I knew he was there because I, I, I recognized the sound of his truck. So I knew who it was. And uh, he ran down the hill thinking I was dead. And when he got there, I could speak just enough for him
2: to know I, oh, I was alive. Oh, because he's seeing this tractor turned over. Yes. Yeah. And then he sees you underneath. Yes. Assumes the worst. That's right, because I couldn't say anything.
3: Oh, move.
1: Yeah, couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And so the first thing he does was takes off his coat and puts it over me as much as he could Mm -hmm. cover me and then prayed for me. Then he had to go back home to call triple zero. And so just by coincidence, I don't think so, but the air ambulance, when they called, was on its way from Colac to Ballarat, and our home is right on the flight path. And, and it was ten, going right – They were 10 minutes away. Oh, my
2: goodness. Wow. And then
1: there was an ambulance from Ballarat, for some reason, was out 30 kilometers from Ballarat on the side of the road. I don't know why they were there. Hmm. They were there. Hmm. And so God just providentially worked Then it took two hours for them to position the tractor to release it slow enough because the problem with someone who's crushed, whenever you release and the blood starts flowing again, all the toxicity that's built up it just kills you. Heart, is that you know, right? It heart attack.
2: So, I mean, to go through all that and then have the object taken off of you, only to die because of what you just That's right. said.
1: That's right. And they they just couldn't believe uh, what state of mind I was in because
2: yeah, I tell was, us wasn't, about dist- that. wasn't distressed. Yeah, apparently they said that typically in this situation, the person is, well, just out of their mind yeah. or raving mad or angry. Or cursing. Cursing and, and all that. But they were very surprised to find out how calm you were. Hmm. So, I mean, there is a practical aspect to faith in the Lord and that calmness, that peace that passes all understanding that came over you. Is that right? That's right.
1: And that peace was there even though I was freezing. And I wouldn't ever want anyone else to go through it because it's it's just something that God gives you the grace to endure at the moment you need the grace. Hmm. Hmm. It's not something you have ahead of time. Because if if someone said, I'm going to hold you in this cold shower, for 18 hours. Oh my goodness. And you can't move. Mm. You can't move. You say I couldn't stand that. But you can. It, it's amazing. God that's the reason God said just moment by moment just live. Don't try and think of the future, don't think of anything else because all you have is this moment to live and you're still alive. You're not frozen to death. You haven't gone crazy. Just think of me. And then of course that famous verse Psalm 56 verse 3, "What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee." That was the one text he gave me over and over again. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Mm. And that's what got me through. And it didn't rain. for you Because I was praying, Lord, please, yeah. <laughs> please don't let it rain.
3: Actually, it but didn't rain it until did. you got rescued.
1: That's right. Whenever the rescue team arrived, they immediately put up a tent because it was going to rain. And as soon as they got that tent up over the tractor, it started raining.
3: Wow. wow. Talk about protection.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I was just praising the Lord. The Lord, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. Yeah. And he didn't because it was, it was almost as if that would have been too much. Mm. I just couldn't handle the wet and the cold. Yeah. And he
2: was gracious enough to say, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. Well, we're quickly running out of time, but in our few remaining moments, can you kind of take us to what happened next and the lasting lessons that you would like our listeners to know about mm-hmm. your experience? Well, once I was
1: rescued, as Mori already mentioned, the helicopter I was flown to the Alfred, and uh, they wanted to take the arm off, but uh, my wife said nothing doing, because I wasn't even able to negotiate anything. Mm. I was out of it because of the pain and the, what they were doing. But uh, so they left the arm on, and I. Being trained in natural therapies, I wanted to take care of myself. I didn't want their drugs. I didn't want the other stuff. It's not that they were bad in the sense of what they were offering and to do for me. But I just wanted to take care of myself. And so they were gracious enough to say, okay, we'll be like a net underneath. If you fall through, and you probably will, uh, we'll be here to catch you. But I didn't fall through. And I healed so fast that they, one day friends came to see me. And they just said, take him home. We don't need him. We need his bed. He doesn't need us, and we don't need him.
2: <laughs> well, I've, we're sitting here, and we're seeing you're using your hand. And I can use arm. my hand
1: for probably
2: 90% of what
1: I did previously.
2: Now, you have deep scars on both sides of your yes. arm. But yes. other than that, you're using that arm? Using that arm, as I've always
1: done. I can do anything on the farm. It's as if it never happened.
3: So what did they actually do? Did they just skin graft both sides? Yes. And were their muscles to be rebuilt or reattached or no just the skin grafts and everything else had to plump up by itself that's right wow
1: yeah they were very good they were very understanding i was i'm a vegetarian and so they let me choose the menu or what i eat I, i couldn't have asked for better service than they gave me wow they were excellent
2: okay and this happened back in 2011 yes you've had some time to reflect any remaining thoughts for our listeners As I've already expressed, whatever
1: your circumstance is in life, no matter what you're going through at the present time, do not allow your mind to dwell upon the problem because God is sufficient. He is sufficient, and he is there with you. He is really there with you. And when you think you can't stand anymore, his grace is sufficient. It's amazing what we can stand, what we can endure, what we can tolerate Mm -hmm. when God is present with us. So never allow circumstances to control you. God is God, and we just have to allow him to be God and to be in control because we are his loved children. We're special. Mm -hmm. We're very precious to him, and he knows what he's trying to teach us. And so trust was a
2: lesson I had to learn. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, as a pastor, you knew those verses. Yes. But now you know those verses. That's right. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's a pleasure. And thank you so much, Sandy Ward, for bringing this amazing
0: story to our attention. Pleasure. Wow, what a miraculous survival story. And as we heard, the Lord was with Bud the whole time and giving him enough strength to endure what seemed like an unendurable experience, being pinned underneath that tractor. It's good to know that no matter how difficult the circumstances, the Lord is always with us. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: We're flying down to Melbourne and being a new pilot and not that familiar with all the uh, routines that you should follow, I got caught in the snowstorm. And yet we prayed and in the midst of this dire uncertainty as to what our future would be because we've got to get this plane down if we're going to live, there is a peace in the plane that knows that it's going to work out, but you have not a clue how it's going to work out.
0: Once again, Eric Scatterbo and Sondy Ward chat with their friend Bud, who has had yet another near-death experience. We'll find out how he survives this one and other close calls with death next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.